Uh, welcome to the Love Fly podcast. It's Paul Tizard and I've been a fear of flying coach helping nervous flyers for just over 25 years and welcome to the first podcast for 2022. What I thought I would do this time is share some things that I've been learning on a course I've been doing. So you may or may not know this, but I have been doing a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology, which is really cool. and Lots of really great stuff in there. So more will come out as I'm sure goes through the course here. But today I'd like to go through a model that I came across which I thought was really relevant to people facing their fear of flying. And it comes from a couple of people, well in fact there's a few of them, called Prochaska et al, uh, 2015, that's P-R-O-C-H-A-S-K-A, so hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Prochaska et al is uh, a psychologist and who's done a lot of work around behavioural changes. And this particular model which is called the trans-theoretical model, helps and refers to self-initiated behavioural changes, such as introducing dietary changes, quitting smoking, modifying an exercise routine or study habits. The model describes the typical process that people undergo when initiating changes. And it particularly emerged from research into health behaviours around overcoming substance abuse, alcohol, smoking and drug use. But also what they found was that these behavioural changes went through the following stages. So I'm going to try and do this some justice and, and rattle through them and give you something to think about. So the, the first part of the model is called pre-contemplation. It's the first phase of change, importantly acknowledged because it's when people are not really aware or not fully aware of the need to change and therefore have no intention to initiate a change or take action. They may have information about their condition, but choose to ignore it. And I was thinking about this with fear of flying, that a lot of people can walk around going, yeah, I just don't like it, but, you know, it'll get all right, or I've got my strategies, or I get drunk, or I just ignore it, or the next time would be better, or it's just those bad flights are not so good at and. And what that means is that person's not even considered the fact that they perhaps have a fear of chain, a fear of flying and need to do something about it. The next stage is called contemplation. And at this stage, people become aware that there is a need to change, in, often in order to address the problem, and therefore consider taking appropriate action. Hence, they may acquire information, consult others, and consider different means or perhaps pathways to create the desired behavioural change. So, for example, a smoker may acquire more information on the risks of smoking, on the means that are available to help them, him or her quit at this stage, but does not act on this information. There's some sort of ambivalence about changing is highly common. So, like 50-50, I guess, is one way of talking about it. Since the thought of giving up, the enjoyed behaviour is accompanied by a sense of loss, despite the gains that people understand that are weighed down the line. At this stage, no decision or commitment is taken to take action is made, and therefore some people find themselves in a state of chronic contemplation and unable to proceed to the next phase. How does that relate to nervous flyers? Well, 
When you have a certain process that helps you to deal with your fear of flying, then when you have to consider not doing that thing, it becomes quite a hard thing to give up. So for example, if you have certain routines around the way you like to fly, or you'll only fly during the day, you'll only sit in certain seats, things like that. These habitualized behaviors become really, really comfortable and they're very, very hard to let go of. And so even as you contemplate, so as half of you thinks, yeah, I want to get rid of this fear, a big part of you is also going, I've got to hold on to these things that keep me safe. So the rituals, the medicines, the things that we do, because we just know that that's what our coping mechanisms are, those are the things which are really hard to let go of. So we end up in this kind of contemplation phase, as they call it, which I thought was brilliant. The next phase is called preparation. And during the preparation stage, people make a decision to initiate a change. They are now aware of the costs and the benefits of the change and they make an action plan as well as prepare to take specific action steps. They may also experiment with small changes as their determination to change increases. So the example they give is a smoker may make a decision to quit, make a detailed plan how to quit, see his or her doctor for consultation, purchase the necessary aids, join a support group or put implementation intentions in place in case a craving occurs. So this could be starting to research, finding out more and more, knowing where courses are, for example, like our courses or other people that offer these type of things, uh, knowing where the books are, knowing where the websites are, and you're preparing yourself thinking, right, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do and I know where I need to go to get it. And I know who I can speak to and who I shouldn't speak to. It's all this sort of stuff. It's all in the preparation stage and it's an important part of the process. And many people over the years, the 25 years that I've been doing this, used to contact and say, I've been looking at your website for 10 years and um, I'm going to do it. So they've, they've, they're preparing themselves, but they haven't just quite made that slight tip over yet into doing something about it. And maybe you can relate to that. The next stage, the fourth stage, is action, obviously. And this is where people begin to take action and modify their behaviour in accordance with their plan. Action may involve one step or a series of steps. So they always give the example of these types of um, behavioural changes around be smoker puts his or her plan into action. They may throw away the unused packs of cigarettes, use the aids as prescribed and attend support groups regularly and then start applying self-discipline to stay on track. And this is where we see people come on a course, start reading booklets, start listening to our podcast, perhaps. Well, maybe that's how you found this. But you're in the action stage. You're doing stuff. It might be a big step. It might be some lots of little steps. I always say that it's a process and there is no actual like time scale apart from the one that works for you. So finding the one which works for you is the most important thing. And it might be, I often say, just doing something tiny every day is better than just throwing yourself full on and doing a one day thing. But, you know, having said that, I've run lots of these one days. We're even doing on demand webinars now, which are just half days. And still people get a lot from that. So who am I to say what's right or wrong? But generally, we find that it. It's repeated action that chips away at the fear. And I've said this many, many times. I say that in the audio book and in the written book. Chipping away at it, I think, is the most sustainable way to deal with the fear. Anyway, next stage. Stage five. 
maintenance. In this phase, notably the longest, people are actively working to maintain the new behaviour. A fearless flyer. I fly with ease, you know, that's the new behaviour. As well as to take action to prevent a relapse to the previous behaviour, because that's very seductive. So a smoker may at this point need to handle temptation or craving. So for you as a fear of flight, uh, fearless, a fearful flyer, get my words right, you might be thinking, oh, I will just Google that story that I heard about, or I'll just look this up, or I'll just... And that's going back to the, the old ways, to the dark side. So what we are saying here is that maintenance takes a little bit of effort. If you just think about it, how long has it taken you to develop the fear and then keep the fear? It took effort and it will require effort to keep these new set of behaviours as well. But one of the things I know is that if you keep moving forwards, that's OK. Now, the word that's mentioned here, which I've just skirted around or jumped over, I don't know what phrase is, is relapses. Relapses are normal. Okay, so the termination stage, they call it. At this stage, the new behaviour has become habitual and normative, and hence there is less chance of relapse. So the person perceives themselves as a former nervous flyer or a former smoker. But relapse is still possible, but it's becoming less and less likely. And actually, relapse is okay. It's what you do next. We're entitled to have some blips. If you're doing a diet or a fitness plan, you'll have some really good progress and then you'll have some blips. But you know it's the sustained continue effort that helps you to change your behaviour patterns. So you'd never go to the gym and after one session go, right, right, where's my six pack? Because we know we need to give it that sustained effort a little bit every day or every couple of days and then eventually we'll start to see some changes as it is with fear. So significant evidence suggests that behavioural changes indeed occurs in stages. However, the movement through these stages that I've just described is not linear, but cyclical. And the cyclical process entails both progress from one stage to the next and periodic relapses. So in the theory, this is part of the theory. So in other words, don't beat yourself up if you kind of have a blip or you have a you do like five great flights and then you have one where you feel more nervous again. This is all normal. The model therefore suggests that even when a stage is successful, people will likely move back and forth between the stages, experiencing one or more periods of regression to the earlier stages and moving through the stages several times until eventually they get to this termination stage, which is the last stage, and they never go back. But understanding the phases of change and being able to anticipate and prog our progress and prepare for regressions can help us start our journey with more realistic expectations and then persevere to attain our valued goals. So that's Prochaska's et al. 2015. That's their research. I thought it was pretty cool. And the thing I think that I took from it is that we have permission here to know that if this is proven in research time and time again, that moving towards a goal means that sometimes you'll have relapses and that's OK and it's completely normal. We can give ourselves permission to be a bit more self-compassionate, maybe a bit kinder towards ourselves and say, rather than beating ourselves up and say, I'll never get over this fur fly. That's it. I'm a write off. 
I was having good flights and now I've had a bad one and that's it. This is all normal. Okay, so just try and be a bit kind to yourself. And the reason why I thought I chose this topic is that this time of year is the time when we are busiest. We get the most emails, the most people signing up for our courses. And this happened in my previous version when I was running the Virgin courses as well. When the office is shut, we get the most inquiries because New Year signals new you. Oh, that was cheesy, wasn't it? Sorry about that. But it does give us permission to say, do you know what? Something I'm doing is not really working for me. I want to try something else. And now I've gone through that six stage model. I'm hoping that it'll give you some comfort to know that this is something that as a human that we all experience. Anybody that wants to change anything will go through these sort of stages. And I like this model because it's nice and simple. I hadn't come across it before. As a trainer, which I've been doing for over 20 odd years and a speaker, obviously I've talked about going through change and stuff, but we tend to use other models, not this one. I think this is great and really relevant for nervous flyers. And hopefully that you would find some comfort and something to think about when dealing with your own fear of flying. Now, lastly, I want to do a bit of a shout out. I did a, we've got a private Facebook, I can't, why can't I speak? A private Facebook group called Love Fly Overcome Fear of Flying, okay? And in there, I did a shout out as a thank you to all the amazing podcast guests that joined this podcast last year. And there's so many of them. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you so much. And if you do listen to this, I don't know why, maybe you're bored. Uh, but if you are listening to this and you've been a guest, I am so grateful. We are grateful here at Love Fly, And it really makes a difference because when podcast listeners can hear real humans speaking, it's just very reassuring. So this is a shout out as a thank you to all those lovely humans that have helped before, but also a request for help. I need some more guests. Of course, I can bang on for the next 52 episodes, but I think what I like to do and I think where I am actually better is getting normal people on and talking to them because then I can give them the space to share the story. So this is what I'm looking for. If you are a nervous flyer or have been a nervous flyer and you'd like to come on, tell us your story. These go down very well, by the way, with nervous flyers. They love it. They love to hear somebody like them going through telling their story. So you could be at the beginning of your journey or you could be well past your fear. I don't mind where you are. We may have never helped you. We may have helped you. This is not about plugging our courses and help and materials, etc. This is about hearing from genuine stories from normal people. So if you'd like to do that, please come forward. It's a team at lovefly.co.uk. That's team at lovefly.co.uk. The other group of people which are always like the gun, I've had lots of really kind experts that have come on to this podcast and shared their t experience, their wisdom, their expertise, etc, etc. And I'd like more because it really helps nervous flyers to hear the facts and it really helps to hear that these people who are doing all these professions linked to commercial aviation are normal people just like them doing a job but just under very very strict conditions and with very huge regulations enforcing things lots of processes and backups in place and it just helps nervous flyers to hear about all these things that are going on because for the most part you won't know about it so that would be really useful the third group of people that are very very welcome 
is if you help nervous flyers yourself. So you could be a therapist, you could be a coach, a counsellor. I don't mind what you are. Uh, I don't mind you can come on and plug what you do because I believe that the role of this podcast and my work is to get help for people. And so I believe there's enough nervous flyers out there that we can all help them and we're not fighting each other to secure the next dollar okay so if you are in that last category and you want to come on and you are well willing to help others but also plug the hell out of what you do then please come on to the podcast because you'd be very very welcome and like i say if you're going to come on and say love flies a load of crap then probably you're not welcome but as long as you come on and say look i've got this is the stuff i do and i like to help people I'm really up for that. So if you're in that third category, please drop us a line as well. So it's team at lovefly.co.uk. You can get in touch via our Instagram, but I can never remember what it is. I think you can sort of find it. So there's links on our website, links to everything on our website. On lovefly.co.uk, you've got links to the blog, links to the podcast. You've got links to our Facebook group, to the Instagram account. Uh, there's some stuff on YouTube. That's pretty much it. Maybe, the, oh, and the LinkedIn. But they're all just different ways that people access us. So you can get it all through lovefly.co.uk. Can't speak. And if you would like to come onto the podcast, I would be absolutely delighted. And it would be amazing to have some new humans, as well as some of our old guests, come back and tell us what they're up to. So I already know I've got a few people that are coming through, a few previous Nervous Flyers, a couple of other are speakers that have been on, like um, Flying With Erin, she's coming back, so that I'm delighted to hear that. I'll try and get some more others back as well. But yeah, come on to the podcast, come and share your stories, your wisdom, expertise, your insight, and just come and have a chat with me. I would love that. And I think that's all I want to say for now. I hope you found that model useful to think about. I will bring in some more psychology stuff as we go through the year because uh, this master's course I'm getting a massive, massive input of things that I'd kind of forgotten about during my own studies and stuff. You know, I've been a coach a long time, but you forget things. You just get used to using your own little ways. So as I, if I come across something which is really useful, then I will share it on the podcast as well. Or until then... I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. I don't know why I said see you. I don't get to see you. Like, talking to you on the next podcast. And I look forward to seeing the volunteers and people coming through, the lovely humans who are going to come on and do some extra stuff with me. And until then, have a great new year. <laughs>